You're listening to Cause High Viz Construction Podcast. I'm Isabel Farkerson. They bring fans together from sport to entertainment. But what kind of legacy can our stadiums deliver over the long term? Across Australia, a number of new stadiums are being considered. So what should major stakeholders, governments, planners, developers and construction teams take into consideration? I'm joined by Andrew McCormack, partner here at Cause Chambers Westgarth and Lawson Katiza, Associate Director at Savills Australia, to discuss these issues. Andrew, if I can start with you. Stadiums are increasingly being used by governments as catalysts for urban regeneration. Are there any particular developments internationally which have impressed you? I think that uh, research tells us that to create an economically sustainable development uh, for a stadium, there are a few key uh, issues that need to be looked at. The location, um, whether it's uh, the CPD or CBD periphery, uh, proximity to public transport and, and the walkability of the surrounding area. And a, a good example of this was the Camden Yard Stadium in, in Baltimore in the United States. Interestingly there, they focused on developing the area first and then inserted a stadium into the overall developments. Uh, they selected a site close to the CPD and as a consequence of those things the development was a, a real catalyst for revitalizing the area and promoting infill development in parts of the area that needed to be upgraded. That said, proximity to the CBD um, or the downtown area in Baltimore's case was not a guarantee of success. Uh, it was really important that they got local planning designations right to allow the development of residential and retail and office space to allow the area to grow. And Lawson, how do you think developments like this have created a sense of identity in their community? For me, there's three parts to this answer. Iconicity, history and heritage and culture. The iconicity component is more about creating a symbol that's iconic in its own right. Things like Bird's Nest in uh, Beijing, which was built for the uh, Olympic Games. It stands out as a unique architectural statement uh, and has attracted its own sort of identity and brand for uh, that part of Beijing. In terms of history and heritage, there are stadiums such as Madison Square Gardens um, in New York, which has its own uh, brand and um, cultural draw to itself. Uh, it's an old build it's an old stadium, but has always sort of transcended the different um, uh, eras. Lastly, culture. So when we can merge culture with design, things like the calabash in um, Soccer City in South Africa, that starts to create um, a cultural um, talking point for that city and its surrounds. And those are the things that sort of help to identify uh, a stadium with a city and create a, a, a monument that draws um, fans and tourists alike to that city. Andrew, how important is location in considering a proposed stadium development? Well, without wanting to sound like a real estate agent, it is all about location, location, location. I think accessibility is absolutely key to selecting the correct location. Access to public transport, parking, and uh, proximity to patrons or customers uh, is very important. And uh, the walkability uh, of a stadium and its surrounds uh, is very important to minimize traffic congestion, which can be a problem uh, if you put a large development in a, in a city area. Um, for all of these reasons, CBD or CBD proximate locations tend to work well. 
Um, there is a danger when selecting the site uh, of a new stadium to opt for a cheaper land, uh, which often sees an edge of town uh, location selected. Well, this does reduce the initial costs, but it also has the impact of reducing the stadium's marketability, um, its connectivity with the rest of the area, and also the potential for economic development can be inhibited. Wilson, having heard a bit about the importance of location, what role do you think stadium developments can play when attracting tourism to a particular city? There, there is no silver bullet. Uh, it's not a question of if you build it, they will come. Uh, some of these buildings uh, and stadiums are have evolved with time to become tourist um, attractions. Brand is one thing that help comes to mind in terms of um, having a success successful um, sporting team or, or, or franchise that's part of that um, uh, stadium development. So you look at places like Old Trafford or, or, or New Camp or Barcelona, which in themselves attract a lot of them, um, not just fans, but also um, sporting tourists. Uh, in 2014, uh, Visit Britain did a survey that showed that 800,000 people visited Britain just as tourists, uh, football tourists, uh, and they ge that generated 684 million pounds for the region. Um, and that in itself shows that the value that stadiums can bring to um, the, the, the precincts that they, they, um, they're built in. There's also a legacy effect in places like, uh, you know, for example, Water Cube in, um, um, in Beijing, um, the MCG, wh which have been there for, for ages and are considered sort of um, meccas by uh, fans and tourists alike, and, and that in itself draws people to those places. Internationally, we're seeing a trend towards sporting stadia that double as entertainment venues, and sometimes even more than that. In some places, They've almost become social hubs for communities, haven't they, Andrew? That's right, Isabel. I think uh, what we've found in, in historically is that many stadiums double as an entertainment venue. They'll hold concerts or major events. But more recently, uh, new stadium developments go a lot further than that, and they actually become a resource that the broader community can access. Um, an ex excellent example of this is the uh, Sports Hub in Singapore, which is a sports and entertainment complex ho holding a national stadium, an indoor aquatic centre and a multi-purpose area. It uh, houses facilities that Singaporeans want to use and in off-season periods when there aren't events on, it transforms into a facility that can be used for the benefit of the public at large. These facilities can be used for community programmes all year round and the area is surrounded by retail space uh, and is also very well connected to the city's mass rapid transit network. Another excellent example is the Incheon Stadium in South Korea. Interestingly, with that stadium, uh, temporary seating can be removed. This allows the stadium to be used as a public park when events are not being held. And finally, Lawson, can you tell me a bit about what we're seeing in the sustainability space with stadium development? Are there any particular examples of projects that have really looked to integrate sustainability into the development? So what we're seeing is that stadiums are very complicated developments. They um, involve a whole complicated array of um, inputs, a whole complicated array of stakeholders and um, logistics. The example that Andrew gave of Singapore Sports Hub, for example, shows that you know stadiums need to be very flexible. And that extends to things like uh, the new developments where we're seeing trends towards um, building 
smaller stadiums but allowing them the capacity to expand for big major events, so bringing in temporary seating, so stadiums such as the new Perth Stadium that we're building here in Australia, uh, stadiums such as Wembley um, has the capacity, uh, we've got stadiums such as the Olympic Stadium in, um, in London as well, as the National Stadium in Taiwan, which was actually cut in half after the um, main event for that uh, precinct. So there are a lot of sustainability initiatives that are coming into the fore. Stade Ocean in France, for example, is the first carbon positive stadium in Europe. And they've achieved it by pulling together a range of initiatives such as the cladding they've used for the roofing and the walling systems is an ETFE compound that uses um, less carbon to manufacture. They've used and also provides for quite incredible amount of insulation, noise insulation. Uh, they've used low carbon cement, um, the way they've located the stadium within its precinct. Um, all of these things combine to create a, a very sustainable product. There are also initiatives such as the use of um, solar power across a lot of stadiums, um, water-saving initiatives. So, for example, Amy Stadium in Melbourne collects 1.9 million litres of water, which allows it to support four other stadiums within that precinct, which is an incredible feat. Uh, that same stadium has used 50% less steel in its structural systems than a, a comparable uh, stadium of its type. All of these things add to cost savings um, uh, and uh, lower footprint on the environment. Um, this can also be extended to things like what they're doing at MetLife uh, Stadium in the United States. Uh, this was built in 2010. Uh, they've pledged to reduce uh, their carbon footprint by 1.7 million tons uh, per annum. And that's through waste management, uh, water efficiency, energy reduction, pollution reduction, and through the construction process as well. So there you have it. In summary, it seems that versatility, accessibility and optimal zoning for future developments are all key ingredients in the success of a stadium development project. Thank you so much to Andrew and Lawson for your time and thank you for your time. We hope you'll join us again for the next cause, High Viz. Until then, goodbye. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and it should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.